0: Broadcasting from the Mid-Migration Outfitter Studios, this is the Finding Fur and Feathers hunting podcast. How much direction are you getting from the governor? The Minnesota DNR
1: had reintroduced him into this area.
0: I don't know, maybe you didn't want me to tell the story on the show, but I'm gonna tell but it anyway. I, I knew you
1: were gonna go there. We're gonna close the entire hunting season. Oh, so really? That's
0: easy. The Finding Fur and Feathers hunting podcast is brought to you by OnX. Know where you stand with OnX by Hay Bale Heights on Devil's Lake. Visit haybaleheights.com for more. By Ottertail County, find your inner otter at ottertaillakescountry.com. And by Lake of the Woods Tourism, plan your trip to Lake of the Woods at lakeofthewoodsmn.com. All right, well, May is Lyme Awareness Month, and Lyme disease and avoiding ticks and dealing with ticks has been a a topic of this show many times because we feel it's a pretty important issue. I'm freaked out about Lyme disease. Uh, I also went south on a recent trip where I encountered a Lone Star tick, so I'm a little freaked out about being allergic to red meat. And it's such a big topic, but it's so hard to get a lot of information about it, and how to, you know, how to diagnose it, how to treat it, uh, what the symptoms are, because it's it can be so different for different people, and it's been hard to get a doctor on this show to talk about it as well too. So we've had a lot of people on that have talked about dealing with Lyme Lyme disease and the symptoms. Uh, we've had people that have friends. We have had people that have dogs. Our families had dogs that have dealt with it. It's, uh, it's an important topic. And finally, we've got a doctor on the show. I'm really excited about this, Dr. Bill Rawls. Uh, he's from North Carolina and he joins us here on the show right now. Uh, doctor, thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> Yeah, my pleasure. Absolutely. Why, right off the top, why is it so hard for a guy like me that has Lyme disease as a topic so often, why has it been so hard for me to find a doctor to come on the show?
1: Because doctors really don't understand what it is and they don't have anything to treat it. So when you, don't have, when you have something that you can't really treat, you just as soon ignore it, not talk about it, not hear about it. So I'm in the know just because I struggled with it for a number of years, ultimately overcame it and have spent the past decade or more of my life really understanding what it is and how we overcome, how we deal with this thing um, and my conclusions are quite a bit different than the mainstream. So you
0: were uh, a, a medical doctor for a number of years. Were mm-hmm. were you, uh, you know, how aware of Lyme disease were you? Was it on your radar at all or once? And when, when did you realize that you'd gotten Lyme disease?
1: Um. You know, I was aware of it from the beginning, but I can't say that I understood it any more than anybody else did. It's, uh, but... You know, I probably picked up the microbes that are defined as being associated with Lyme disease when I was a kid. I mean, I spent my whole life in the woods when I was a child, you know, climbing uh, trees, going through creeks, later hunting, fishing. I mean, truly, I was in the woods a high percentage of my life and ticks were a fact of life. You know, you get bitten a lot. So... But that's the deal. I didn't get sick until I had been doing obstetrics call, which was really extremely demanding, every second or third night, and just running a really, really high-stress lifestyle for years, and finally, in my late 40s, I crashed. And first identified with fibromyalgia chronic uh, chronic fatigue syndrome because nobody could really figure out what was going on and it was much later that I defined it as as resulting from these microbes that we define as Lyme disease since then my Definition of what Lyme disease has really warped into something completely different, but um it was all that stress for years, and I crashed
0: so you basically lived with it for a long time, and then when your when your immune system was maybe weakened, it finally took over
1: that's it, hmm. no doubt about it you know it's uh our our immune system is really key, but the health of our cells of our body is really key too. And the fact of the matter is, we have microbes coming at us all the time. Microbes are trying to constantly cross through, across our skin or into our G tract, or, you know, breathing them in. So we constantly have microbes that are entering our body. And this idea that we get an infection, we become symptomatic, and then we either take antibiotics or night, but the symptoms clear that the microbes are gone, turns out to be quite a misconception that most of the things we're exposed to as we go through life, we end up keeping dormant in our tissues and those things can reactivate later. And that includes the, the microbes that are li- with, associated with Lyme disease. So the deal is most people who get a tick bite that are carrying the, the, the microbes, the Borrelia microbes associated with Lyme disease, don't become acutely ill. If you're healthy, you can get bitten by ticks pick up the microbes, and carry them for a long time. In fact, 90% of the people that I've talked to that identify as having chronic Lyme disease don't remember a tick bite and don't remember becoming ill around the time of a tick bite. I feel like that's
0: one of the hardest parts about it because it's not not that, like just like you said, it's not that typical, oh, I'm sick, let's go to the doctor and fix it. It's something that I- may come... So much, so much later in life, and you know, I've, I've, I've got some friends that their, their philosophy right now is avoid ticks at all costs, uh, wear the right clothing, uh, wear some, some sort of, you know, protective chemical, permethrin, whatever. Uh, but if they get bit and they don't notice it right away and it might go a day or so go straight to the doctor and get doxycycling don't even hesitate don't don't take any chances Um, obviously they're not doing that often it's you know it's one of those hey I'm not gonna take a chance you know type of deal Um, but but they don't they feel like it's and I've done it I got bit last year by a deer tick and I didn't see it right away and it left a pretty good mark on my body and I was on a trip and I came home and I said well I don't want to mess around with this. I went straight to the doctor, got my two pills of doxycycline, and uh, and so far, I've I've had no ill effects from it. Right. That's one way to deal with it. That's not how I deal with it. but nope. That's one way to deal with it. <laughs> As a so. doctor, what do you what do you say about that sort of? I mean, it's almost like a an, uh, an um, you know, emergency treatment, is, in a sense.
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, first of all, there's not really any evidence to support that it does much of anything. And second, the idea that doxycycline eradicates the microbes from the body is also a misconception. Um, There are many documented cases of people receiving antibiotics and not clearing the microbe from their system. So it's really up to your immune system. It's a lot about your immune system, the strength of the cells of your body, and and all of those are really, really important factors. So here's the deal. When you get bitten by a tick, the microbes flood into your bloodstream, right? So we don't often get sick because Ticks have been biting humans since the beginning of time, and Borrelia, the microbe that causes Lyme disease, it's not a new microbe, it's millions of years old. So humans have been getting bitten by by ticks carrying the Borrelia microbe ever since there've been humans. I mean, it's just, it's not a new thing. So our immune system recognizes this microbe when it enters our system. When something causes severe acute illness, it means that the immune system doesn't have any defenses. So Ebola virus is devastating because humans have never been exposed to it. We have no built-in defenses. And it hits the bloodstream, it ravages the whole body. tick borne microbes, ticks have been biting us for a long time and we have some familiarity. So as soon as the microbes are hit, hit the bloodstream, the immune system is mopping them up. Uh, white blood cells gobble them up and, to try to get rid of the microbes. The microbe strategy, the, the bacteria strategy though, is getting to your tissues, all of your tissues, your brain, your heart, your joints, your, your muscles, every tissue in the body. And what is interesting about these microbes is they infect and live inside cells. So they all have the capacity to, to live inside cells, in fact, stay dormant in cells. So the microbe strategy is getting to cells in tissues of the body. The immune system strategy is to try to eliminate them. For the most part, the immune system is successful. And I generally don't have people uh, getting acute Lyme disease unless they have a big load of microbes. The tick's been embedded for a long time, and they get bitten by a lot of ticks all at, once, all at once. Bigger microbe load. But even when you have a low load or take antibiotics, some microbes make it. Hmm. They get their destination, they get to your tissues. And when they do that, they bore into your cells and so it's like a little peppering of your tissues and if it's a small peppering and your immune system is healthy they can be there and you can be healthy and not even know they're there for years and that's okay with the microbe because all they want to do is get a little food Your cells are basically their food source and stay dormant in your tissues until another opportunity comes along to pass to another tick and that is natural that's the way it's supposed to be right so interestingly in uh, uh back uh, in the 90s uh, national geographic uh, was on an expedition that they found a thawed out human uh, out of a glacier that was 5,300 years old in the Italian Alps. So, this guy was crossing the Italian Alps at his mid 40s. Uh, somebody shot him in the back with an arrow. He had Borrelia in his system. <laughs> so, this ticket, this, this microbe's been around a long, long time, generally doesn't make people that sick. Unless you get stressed. And the thing about it is, our modern lifestyles are really stressing us a lot. <laughs> yeah, so we're seeing a lot more Lyme disease. and yeah, I mean, you know, something that's been, a,
0: been around for that long, yet I feel like Lyme disease hasn't been around. It's probably been around, but I feel like it's just starting to get a lot of headlines. Now, yep. I mean, what is it? Just been misdiagnosed? Is it this? Are the the symptoms mimicking so many other uh, illnesses that doctors have
1: been, been misdiagnosing it? Right. Um, quite frankly, before it was recognized as an illness, and before a lot of things, and this is still true, there are a lot of illnesses that aren't diagnosed as microbial that we really don't know the origins of the illness. And so, you know, but it has been recognized that the classic bullseye rash, the EM rash, doctors have been talking about that for hundreds of years. So it wasn't defined as a thing until the Lyme Connecticut incidences when they were a cluster. But here's some interesting tidbits about that. So this microbe is called Borrelia burgdorferi. It was named after a guy named uh, Burgdorfer, who was a microbiologist. Uh, He was uh, from Switzerland, I believe, but he was working in the United States and he was the one that received the specimens. He was a specialist in Rickettsia, which is one of the microbes that causes Rocky Mountain spotted fever. Um, And he was, but he was looking for the cause of these people's illnesses, and what he found was there were a lot of microbes there in every specimen, and there were almost as many rickettsias uh, of, this, of a species of rickettsia that lives in New England as Borrelia. So he did make the conclusion through his research that the Borrelia was the cause of the EM rash or the bullseye rash. But in his later writings, he was speculating that possibly the acuteness of the illness was probably associated with a co-infection with Rickettsia. So, even Lyme disease isn't straightforward, and anybody with chronic Lyme disease will tell you there are a lot of co-infections. There's Bartonella and Babesia and Anaplasma or Orlichia and Rickettsia, and dozens of species of each one of those. So what it turns out is ticks carry a lot of different microbes that are infectious. So it's not just Lyme disease. Mm-hmm. Um, they found that one tick species can t- carry 237 different families oh, man. of bacteria. So all of those aren't pathogens, but a lot of them are. So what it turns out is there's a lot of stuff we don't know about still. and. When you look at the possibilities of microbes that can cause low-grade chronic illness, we're just scratching the surface. Man. So I've seen connections.
0: You 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 bring up fibromyalgia. I've seen connections between Lyme and fibromyalgia. I've, I've seen, I, th- I swear I saw one point somebody tried to draw a link to, to ALS maybe. Um, yep. all, it- all of them. So do you think that those are uh, would like a, like a tick may have caused some of that for some of
1: those people or what's the link? The link is I think there's a link between these low-grade chronic infections with intracellular microbes and every chronic illness out there. Hmm every single one. Yeah, they've even found Borrelia in breast cancer cells and other microbes in various kinds of cancer cells. There's a close microbe cancer connection. And yes, they found Borrelia in quite a number of different situations. So let me tell you about a case study out of Columbia University um, talking about the antibiotic thing. So there was a woman that was diagnosed with Lyme disease. She had an acute tick bite. She had an EM rash. She did have symptoms. She was treated with doxycycline at about age 54. Treated with doxycycline, her symptoms gradually resolved with treatment of the doxycycline. Two or three years later, she developed neurological symptoms. So they treated her with six weeks of IV antibiotics. She tested positive again for the Borrelia microbe and all they were looking for was Borrelia. So she tested positive for the microbe in her system again. They treated her with six weeks of IV antibiotics and six months of doxycycline. Wow. Uh, they stopped the antibiotics because her symptoms were worsening instead of improving. Her, gra- her situation gradually deteriorated. In her early 60s, she desired, died of what they defined as Lewy body dementia. Um, but she agreed before death to do an autopsy. So they did an autopsy of their brain, her brain and they found live Borrelia microbes in her brain really so that's what antibiotics do or or don't do i
0: mean so what do you recommend if somebody does go in and has the the bullseye or has been bitten is there a, a better option than doxycycling or is it, it we're going to try this but it may not work
1: um, how I recovered from my illness, and by the way, you know, yeah, as far as when you're looking at fibromyalgia and these different illnesses, basically the only difference that I see between a person labeled as fibromyalgia and a person labeled as chronic Lyme disease is the person with chronic Lyme disease has figured out to get somehow to get a positive test for the microbe. <laughs> about the Interesting. I wondered about that. Yeah, so I think there's a lot of crossover, and I think these, these microbe chronic illness connections run deep. Um, I've actually uh, just written a book, a new book. I have a book called Unlocking Lyme that explains Lyme disease, but I wrote a new book connecting the microbes and chronic illness uh, that will be called uh, an, uh, un, uh, 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 sorry, the Cellular Wellness Solution um that will be out this june so if anybody's interested in taking a little bit deeper dive there's some really interesting research in there so moving on the things that do work um, the problem with doxycycline is it doesn't get to Uh, inside cells very well. So it's not killing these microbes after they're deeply embedded in tissues. But what it does do, even 10 days of doxycycline really disrupts the gut very, very badly. Mm -hmm. Six weeks of of, of doxycycline or any other antibiotics will absolutely destroy the gut, which inadvertently destroys your immune system, which isn't a good idea. So there is no evidence that long-term use of antibiotics is supported for the use for, for treating chronic Lyme disease and I agree with that. Um, as far as an acute tick bite with uh, an EM rash or a symptomatic then i think the 20 to 30 days of doxycycline is a is a reasonable thing to do because it helps knock down the microbes while they're coursing through the bloodstream before they get embedded in tissues once they're embedded in tissues and again you're not going to prevent that completely if you've been bitten by ticks you've had tick-borne microbes of some type in your system every single time you've ever been bitten That's how it is. So the doxycycline does help initially. I think the the CDC recommendations are reasonable. There's not a lot of evidence that the 200 milligrams one shot thing does a whole lot. Yeah, I don't think it does a lot of harm though. So I don't think it's unreasonable to do. Um, I don't stop there though. And what I used for my recovery was herbal therapy, Hmm. a lot of herbal therapy. And what it turns out is, herbs plants all have antimicrobial properties and if you think about it they have to you know plants have to defend their cells from uh, being invaded by viruses bacteria protozoa just like we do and so plants don't have a cellular immune system they have a chemical defense system that's very robust and it isn't to one microbe it's to a huge spectrum of microbes so all plants have antimicrobial properties all herbs have antimicrobial properties but depending on the plant's environment and the, and the amount of microbe stress in the environment some plants have stronger antimicrobial properties than others but it's not a single chemical substance like doxycycline or amoxicillin or penicillin or any of the antibiotics it's hundreds of chemicals that hit various kind of microbes in a variety of ways so it's an entire defense system and what's most interesting about the herbs however is they are selective so the plant chemicals these the these what we call phytochemicals are selective. It's a system. So they kill pathogens, but they don't kill normal flora, which means you can take these herbs for months or even years without destroying your normal flora and enhancing your cellular health and balancing this total microbiome in the body, which we're finding actually extends into our tissues and even into our brain. Yes, we have microbes bacteria that live in our brain all the time. So, so that's the advantage of the herbs so and would you, I've been taking herbs continually now for about 15 years.
0: Okay, so I was going to ask that question for somebody uh, like you or myself that spends a lot of time in the outdoors and encounters ticks frequently. Would you recommend just, just, just taking cat's claw in Japanese knotweed on a regular
1: basis? Yep. <laughs> I think it's a very reasonable thing to do. Okay. So um, I've been doing that and other herbs for many, many years. So you um, have,
0: and, I, and I'm reading them off your website, RawlsMD.com, and that's R-A-W-L-S-M-D.com. You have uh, recommendations on here about what are the top herbs to get, and you would just take them as a preventative or as somebody that's, that's had Lyme disease probably to help you uh, along the way as well. And then you even break down how to take them, like making your own, uh, making your own capsules.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, it's pretty, pretty easy to do. And again, you know, there are herbs that you wouldn't want to take long term. And that is one of the distinct the things that I distinguish in my new book that's coming out this June uh the cellular wellness solution i talk about you know when just to take just average herbs for protecting your health and when to use those uh, herbs with stronger antimicrobial properties but here's the deal let's look at japanese knotweed so this is an invasive weed it's really common in north america now Um, it comes from asia and It is an exceptionally good source of resveratrol, which you might recognize is what we find in grapes. It's what comes in red wine that gives wine health benefits. So it's protective of the vascular system. It's a potent antioxidant that protects cells throughout the body. It has antimicrobial properties itself. But the Japanese knotweed has this spectrum of other chemicals, too, that have remarkable benefits benefits. So you look at the list of benefits of taking Japanese knotweed other every day and it's impressive. Do the same for cat's claw, graphis, any of the other herbs that I've mentioned here. Now there's some that you don't want to take every day like echinacea, elderberry, because they overstimulate the immune system. They're great for a common cold. But these herbs are what we define as immune modulating. They have an effect on the immune system that's balancing, um, which really has some wonderful effects. Uh, We should mention, too, that your last book, uh, Unlocking Lyme,
0: you're, you're doing a book giveaway with that right now? Yeah. So, so yeah,
1: just uh, for, uh, we, we do this every year. It's just part of my way of uh, reaching the audience and helping people out. Um, so, for Lyme Awareness Month, we give the book away just for shipping and handling. Oh, that's great. And that's
0: available on your website, RawlsMD.com. And then, for right. for finding these herbs, is that something a, a, a person can, they can order them online and get them, get them delivered some somehow? <laughs>
1: Yeah, they can order them online. Um, you know, I'm medical director at an herbal company that we have uh, uh, packages of herbs that you can do packages that help people with uh, uh, Lyme disease. So, uh, there, but there are a lot of good sources of the herbs out there. Okay. So we can actually, we can get some of those off your website too. Uh, the, the website for, for the supplements is vitalplan.com, but uh, it, it has uh, just specific products. Okay. Vitalplan.com. All right. I want to talk
0: about a couple of other illnesses and some of the other ticks out there because there's a number of, of different types of ticks and yeah. on our recent trip, south. We spent some time in Missouri and we were armed with this new gear from Sitka. It's called the Equinox Guard Collection. And they have, uh, there's like a, I don't know if they call it a gator or a sleeve inside your leg. So you tuck it into your socks. So if something does crawl up underneath your pant leg, it can't get through. Uh, The thread is woven tightly so the mosquitoes can't aren't supposed to be able to bite through it and then it's got the insect their insect shield baked into it which is uh, permethrin and we spent eight days of crawling through the woods sitting against a tree walking through tall grass and did not have any ticks on us and one of the guy's dogs was uh, running around a little bit during the day when we were when we were hanging out constantly had we were constantly pulling ticks off the dock, off the dog. So we knew that they were there. And then there was one instance where I had taken off the clothing that was treated and was just wearing regular clothing. And I was taking some pictures along the shoreline of this lake. And uh, all of a sudden one of my buddies pointed and said, Hey, you got a tick crawling on the back of your leg there and pulled it off. And sure enough, it was one of these Lone Star ticks. And that was my first we don't have them here in minnesota so that was my first encounter and while lyme disease scares me i have a i have a severe uh case of uh uh uh, being nervous about catching a a red meat allergy so i was a little nervous about that tick uh right there so that, that how common is that with that tick right there and is there more illnesses that are more common with it
1: well, there are other illnesses, um, you know, there it does carry rickettsia species and other things. And, and quite frankly, again, we are just discovering all the different microbes that are carried by different kinds of ticks. Um, Lone star tick is associated with starry, which is... Um, the southern version of Lyme disease. So um, they haven't traced out the, the, the bacteria yet, but they think it's just a different species of Borrelia. By the way, you know, when I was writing Unlocking Lyme about four years ago, they had found 12 different species of Borrelia uh, that can cause Lyme disease now that list is up to 21. Um, so like I said, there's just a lot of things out there that we don't know about. So every tick, every tick carries bacteria that can infect you. So all ticks are suspicious. So I think these, the, the new kinds of clothing make a lot of sense. Um, I don't use strong chemicals like deep, but because they're pretty toxic, I've found that the essential oils um, uh, essential oil sprays of those there are various kinds uh, work just as well as DEET um, and quite frankly you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a hunter anymore. I do fishing, and I, but I do a lot of hiking. I'm, I'm out in the woods a lot. Now, I don't immerse myself quite as much as a hunter would, but I tell you, since I've been taking the herbs... I just don't seem to be as palatable to ticks and mosquitoes as I used to be. Mm. It's uh, it's interesting, and it's thought that there are these things are balancing or affecting the flora on your skin. So the bacteria, the 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 ticks and mosquitoes hone in on heat, but they also hone in on sense that the bacteria on your skin are producing too. So it's. Um, yeah, so, so all of those things have uh, play into the picture. So anything you can do to decrease your, your bites, not just from ticks either, because uh, chiggers and virtually any insect that bites. I mean, think about it, you know, bacteria want to pass from host to host what better way of doing that is than through uh, an insect vector that's biting through skin and depositing them right into the bloodstream so whether it's ticks, chiggers, mosquitoes, fleas, lice anything that bites is going to be transmitting bacteria so arming yourself keeping your system strong Keeping your staying healthy, just keeping your immune system healthy, um, and you know, giving doing that extra production with herbs. So is really important.
0: I I'm just a few minutes left here uh, with Dr. Walls. Uh, you brought up chiggers. I was cutting the grass a couple of years ago and. I had gnats or chiggers, I small little noceums whatever they whatever they were. I had a short sleeve shirt on. It was pretty warm and they were just ferocious and they were biting me all over the place and uh, a couple hours later I was in the bathroom washing my hands and I looked in my my bicep and I had I had the red lines. Uh, I, 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 People call it blood poisoning or whatever. I, I don't think that's technically what it is. But I had those red lines from those from those bites. And, uh, and I, it kind of scared me just a little bit. I think I threw Neosporin on it,
1: and that seemed to clear it up. But uh, w- w- what do you it suppose? It could be a allergic reaction, but it also could be bacteria of some kind entering your system. Yeah, there's no doubt about it so and by the way too these these herbs that i've been talking about uh japanese knotweed chinese skullcap uh cat's claw these various different herbs interestingly last year um some scientists at johns hopkins university uh looked at these things to see if they actually kill borrelia um, you know, they had heard about people using them for Lyme disease. And so they did a test tube study where they took uh, the various forms of of uh, Borrelia, the modal forms, the cis forms, and, you know, dumped them in a test tube with, with uh, tinctures of the various uh, herbs and compared that to doxycycline and another antibiotic uh, type of cephalosporin. Interestingly, they found that the herbs kill the bacteria better than the antibiotics. Really? We do have a lot of evidence that these things truly do actually kill the bacteria, and they do it as well as the antibiotics do.
0: I mean, anytime you can put something natural in your body versus, uh, you know, some sort of chemical, I'm I'm all for that. Uh, Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. (laughs) You know, when you break it down like that, it makes the most sense, (laughs) really. But, um, boy, I, I wanted to ask you about Heartland virus as well, speaking
1: of that Lone Star tick. Is this something new? I think it's been around a while, and again, I think it's one of those things that we're just starting to recognize. It's not very common, and so the less common something is the, you know, the, the, the 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 less resistance we're gonna have, it just means it infects less often. So I was speculating that, we were talking about Heartland virus the other day, and it's like, well, why are some microbes more common than others? And it could be just competition between the microbes, right? So it could be that Some microbes are just better at getting out ahead and getting into the bloodstream than other microbes. They might be present in a tick, but they might not make it to the person's bloodstream before these other microbes. So that's speculation, but you know, that's a possibility, Um, but Heartland virus. You know, it, it's all about the types of cells that the bacteria or virus infects in the body, and that is the issue, all right? So Borrelia tends to go for tissue uh, cells in the body that have collagen or produce collagen, nerve cells, muscle cells, um, whereas another bacteria called Bartonella infects blood vessels and that's the deal with rickettsia also so rickettsia rocky mountain spotted fever is really bad because this it's it's not really any more aggressive than borrelia but it infects the cells that line small blood vessels So if you get a load of that and that's happening all at once, it can block off blood vessels and that's where that spotted rash comes from blocking blood vessels, Mm -hmm. but it can cause you to lose fingers and that sort of thing. But interesting, what I, what I'm finding is over the years of talking for, to people, as we're doing more testing, what I'm finding is a lot of people with chronic symptoms are carrying the Rickettsia microbe that causes Rocky Mountain spotted fever, but they never became acutely ill with Rocky Mountain spotted fever. And the same is true with Heartland. So it's the type of cells. So it's affecting immune cells. And, but it's affecting a specific type of immune cell that, that uh, 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 produce platelets, which, are, which is what we need for blood clotting. So it, if, if it is able to infect these cells, it can drop your platelet level and cause you to bleed out. But interestingly, most people who get this virus don't become acutely ill. So we just are learning how to test with these things. So through my career as a physician, I can tell you a lot of people showed up in the emergency room with odd kinds of things that nobody knew what was. And now we're starting to know a little bit more about maybe what's causing them. So it's not as much that these things are new, it's that they're newly discovered. We're just starting to find the causes of them. Um, So that, you know, we haven't been testing for these microbes very long, so we really have no idea whether the incidence of Lyme disease is increasing or not. So how often would you recommend somebody
0: that can't get you know they're having some weird symptoms doctor can't figure it out would you recommend them going trying to find a different doctor or trying to find some sort of lyme literate doctor <sighs>
1: That's a kind of hit or miss thing. What I'm finding is that some of the Lyme literate doctors know Lyme disease and know what they're talking about, but an awful lot of them don't. And their knee-jerk reaction is to treat people for months and months and months on end with IV antibiotics, which can be highly destructive. I've seen many people's eyes just ruined by that practice. So it's, um, you know, the first thing I would do is I get a copy of my book you'll really understand what Lyme disease is better if you read the book like um, the book unlocking Lyme I spent a lot of time I took two years out of my life just to educate people to what this thing actually was and to help them understand what was going on and quite frankly um, I think a better route to go is herbal therapy for most people I mean that's your foundation and most people with herbs will respond and actually start getting well and start reducing the symptoms. But um, you know, it, it, it I wouldn't suggest that anybody just ignore or abandon the medical system. I, need, I I think you need access to the healthcare system. I think you need a doctor on your side for things that might show not be associated with Lyme disease. You know, I would hate for someone to think they had Lyme disease and actually have some kind of hidden cancer or other kinds of illness that needs to be treated in another way. So, but, but they ignored it. So I think you have to see the doctor, but if you have a lot of weird chronic symptoms that is being defined as chronic Lyme or fibromyalgia or that sort of thing, they're probably not going to be, a, to, to be able to help you. But go for the evaluation. I mean, it's like when I was going through my thing, um i had a lot of heart involvement Uh, my heart was skipping beats every second to third beat and i was having constant chest pain and i was evaluated by a cardiologist ended up with a cardiac cath they found that my coronary vessels were clear and they really didn't know what to do with me and it was about that time that i found the Lyme microbes and started the herbs Um, so I was able to help myself and gradually all of those symptoms resolved, but it was important. I mean, having had the cardiac cath and having that evaluation. I knew it wasn't a primary heart condition that needed to be addressed by, by the conventional medical system. So go for the evaluation. Um, you know, uh, uh, try to turn every stone. And you know, when they've turned all the stones that they can turn, start going in a different direction and, and uh, th- think about these alternative options that really have a lot of value.
0: The last question I want to ask you is uh, and maybe this is outside your wheelhouse, but dogs are affected by Lyme disease quite frequently, particularly hunting dogs. And there's a Lyme vaccine out there. I've heard people argue that it's not really effective. I give it to my dogs anyway, trying to give them every protection that I can. Can Is there some sort of, um, you know, herbal uh, plan, herbal uh, Uh, type supplement that you could give to dogs to help them out
1: yeah I think you can use some of these same herbs Um, I gave my dog uh, herbal preparations for years Um, and uh, and uh, you know our last dog started having arthritis symptoms when he was around seven and I started giving him turmeric and cats and some of these things and um, he lived to be 14 and you know his arthritis cleared up for a long time so our other one is seven now and we started giving him herbs Um, so it uh, i think it is a reasonable thing to do a lot of veterinarians even more than conventional doctors are using herbals and there are a lot of herbal products for pets Uh, that are really, really good. As far as the vaccine, you know, we may be doing some benefit there. I'm not opposed to vaccines. But it's one microbe, probably among, among hundreds, that ticks carry. So vaccinating for every potential thing that ticks are carrying, I think, is just, it's a losing battle. Um, you know, you, you end up uh, running into more risk factors from all the different vaccines than you would from the, the actual bacteria.
0: Well, we're going to live with ticks, whether we like it or not, and uh, everything we can do to prevent it. Um, you have a, a load of information on the website, RawlsMD.com, R-A-W-L-S-M-D.com. And that's where you can get the free book. How, that free book giveaway is through the month of May? Yep. Unlocking Lime And then the new book, Cellular Wellness Solution, that'll be coming out next month?
1: Yep. Yep. About mid-June. Yeah, I think our formal date is the 21st. Um, that's gonna, there's a lot of interesting stuff in there that, that truly it ought to interest anybody. I mean, this is, this is your guide to staying well for your entire life. Um, hey, you know, I thought my life was done when I was in my early 50s. I thought, you know, I'd been physically active my whole life and I thought that was it. I'm going to be compromised. I'm 65 now and I'm doing anything I want. I'm kite surfing, hiking, whatever I want, um, which is really pretty cool. And and truly, I think it's the herbs that, that put me there. But I've immersed myself in understanding why chronic illness occurs in a different way. And the conclusions that I've come up upon are very, very different than the mainstream community. And when you look at uh, what herbs offer, man, are we overlooking this extraordinary resource that can reduce our risk of every chronic illness, cancer, everything, um, with virtually no side effects and feel good, help you feel better, give you more energy. It's really remarkable.
0: Well, I sure hope so. That seems like a, a way better way to go than than yeah. years of, of pills and treatments and doctor no visits. Doubt. So, All right. Uh, Dr. Rawls, uh, I really appreciate the time. I think this is an important topic that needs to be discussed more often, particularly for people that spend a lot of time in the outdoor world like we do. Uh, RawlsMD.com once again as a website. Uh, doctor, thanks for being
1: with us today. Brett, thank you for the opportunity. This
0: has been the Finding Fur and Feathers hunting podcast. Part of the Sporting Journal Radio family. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts or visit us at findingfurandfeathers.com. 852 million acres of public land. 147 million private properties. All in the palm of your hand.